celebrate their first win in 15 years over the Utah Utah. Another team has punched their ticket. And they hail from Logan, Utah. Stunning 44-10 lead for Utah State. My name is Braxton Moon, and this is the Sagebrush Show and Aggie Podcast. I'm joined along with my co-hosts, Braden Clark. Unfortunately, our third co-host is gone again today. He's currently preparing for Sundance as he rents cars. Brady, have you ever been to Sundance? I'm going up Sunday, but I haven't been since, so it'll be my first time. I'm excited. Yeah, and knowing you, you're a movie buff, so... Um, kind of, kind of wild. It's your first time. I didn't know that. I thought you, you would have been before. No, I, like I, I've never gone because a I was poor and I don't like to going things by myself. And you know, you guys weren't really into movies when I when I was up at Utah State. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out on Sunday. I think though. Fun. I've so I've been three times. I went once in high school, once in college, and then or twice in college. I went last year. We were able to uh, sneak into the after party, kind of. Can have our way into that. Shout out to uh, the Sundance crew last year. Um, anyway, we got we got some sports to talk about. We got we got some football. We got some basketball. We got that's about it. That's all we talk about, really. <laughs> that's the show. No, <laughs> that's the, the show. The uh, we're gonna start off with some happier thoughts. Let's uh, start. Let's start off with uh, as we usually do. Let's start off with uh, Jordan Big Hands Love. Big Hands Love. Yeah, he. Uh, so Jordan Love has been at the Senior Bowl this week. He measured in with the biggest hands out of the quarterback group. Um, it was ten inches and t- it's ten ten point ten inches and, and five eighths or whatever. Or, yeah, something like that. Um, you know what they say about big hands? Big gloves. Big gloves. Big, big, big hands are indicative of performance, I guess. Some somehow. So he's going first round for sure now. Yeah, with those ten inch hands. Um, do we got a hand finish fetish? I don't know. Yeah. Well, but anyway, yeah. So he, I've been reading up on him a little bit, and he seems to be, you know. Depending on who you ask, he's doing well. Yeah. Or depending on who you ask, well, he's up and down. It's interesting because today, I I, I read up on yesterday, and they, everyone kind of was uh, sh- like saying that Justin Herbert won day one. Like he was kind of the, the unanimous thought around. But then a lot of other people thought like Jordan did fine. Um, he performed well. He over- he missed some throws, but he did do a decent enough job. And then. But I I I came into work today saying that like you no know, no everyone thinks that he did well whereas um, the guys that I work with uh, Bill Riley and said that he was talking to a guy who was at the Senior Bowl said that Jordan played really bad yesterday mm. and then this morning he was the best which is really cool to see I mean it's kind of indicative of I feel like his 2019 performance where he up and down you know that's th- yeah, that's a good point I think. And I think we talked about it last week. That's kind of where where he would fall is you know second in line behind Justin. Yeah, it's here's the thing is that I don't know if I want Jordan to climb the draft boards, and you know I could be wrong, but if you look and let's kind of just go through the years, the last few the last few quarterbacks drafted in the in the top five, let's say that's uh, so the best of the top three quarterbacks drafted in each of the last few drafts last year. The number one overall, well, the first quarterback drafted was Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray to the Arizona Cardinals. Correct. He had a decent rookie year, but the Cardinals aren't going to be anywhere anytime soon, yeah. especially with the Niners and Rams and Seahawks in that division. And then you got Daniel Jones right after him. Yeah, Danny Dimes. 
And as much as Tim loves the New York Giants, I don't know if they're going to be competing with the Cowboys and Eagles anytime soon either. They got some nice pieces, and they, they have a future, but they're kind of shambles above him. And then after that, who was the next quarterback draft? Do you know who the next quarterback drafted? I don't. Drew yeah. Locke in the I second mean, round. Drew Locke in the second round of the Broncos. He played ad- he played admirably in you know the last five games of the season, but yeah, sporadic. And, and then the year before – was the year of Baker. Baker, and you got – oh, my heavens, I'm losing my train of thought. Uh, pull that up real quick. But my, my point here being is is that the, the recent string of quarterbacks being drafted high in the NFL draft are going to bad teams, and they usually don't perform well. They're usually – you know, they're fine, and everyone likes to see them, but they're not taking their team to the next level. Uh, you got that? Uh, almost. Okay. But the, the – the players that are doing well, so like the I mean, so you have so you have Baker, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson. That's the other one. Josh Allen, like Josh Allen, and then yeah. Lamar in the end of the first round. Yeah, so that's Lamar at the end. That's and that's a, it's going to go to that point real quick. But uh, and then the year before, and then you got like the Carson Wentz. You got the uh, Dak Prescott. You got uh, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. These guys who were drafted by teams, and I'll th- I'll toss out Dak Prescott because he's obviously a fourth-round pick. But, like, those quarterbacks picked in the first round that teams traded up. Carson Wentz got uh, – the Eagles traded up to get Carson Wentz. Jared Goff, the Durants also traded up to get Jared Goff. Did, no. Yeah, they did. They did. Okay, that's right. And so they already had something established. So the Eagles obviously had something established. And then you look at Patrick Mahomes, for an example, whereas the Chiefs, they were – I believe they were competing in the AFC that year. They had yeah, Alex, Alex Smith. Smith. Um, they – Finish your point. Sorry, I'm, I'm yeah. interrupting. But they traded up from like the 25th yep. pick to 10. Yeah. They traded with the I can't remember who, but like, who for those poor souls. They didn't get enough for him. That's for sure. <laughs> they didn't. Um, and but the that being said is that I want Jordan to go to a team where he doesn't have to be their savior. You know, if he's getting drafted by the Dolphins, if he's getting drafted by the Chargers, if he's getting drafted by. The Bucks. Buccaneers, the Col- the Colts are it's a nice spot for him, I think. But like th- those two spots, if he gets if he gets upwards to where the, the Dolphins and the the Chargers are starting to think like, hey, maybe he's as good as Jordan uh, Justin Herbert, or maybe we take we don't trust to his injury, we take and we and we take Jordan with the 18th pick for the Miami Dolphins. I worry about that a little bit just because I don't think they have enough pieces around him that it's going to come all on his shoulders. Whereas if he gets there, there are a couple teams that I I would love to see him play for, and he he said he said it today. Las Vegas, I think, is an interesting spot for him to end up. Yeah, they they, I, they got a lot of young talent there. I love Josh Jacobs. They're exciting. They're moving to Vegas, and it would make it so much easier for us to go see him play. <laughs> I, I think that'd be so cool. He's opening a new stadium, and he's got Derek Carr ahead of him, obviously. And and uh, Derek Carr's a fine quarterback. He's not going to win you a division. He's not going to compete with Patrick Mahomes. No. Or and so you but got. Craig, I mean, correct me. For, I mean, Derek Carr did win the division like two years ago. Then he, bro- he, he broke, broke his, his leg. leg. But that was before Patrick Mahomes was there. Pat, correct. So there's that, and then on other teams that I've been on this. Uh, the Saints is a spot that I'd love to see him play for. You don't like the Saints, but I think that's just an ideal situation. All three of their all three of their quarterbacks are under are. Two of them are unrestricted free agents. Drew uh, Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater and, are and, and under. The third, and then, the third one's not a quarterback. And Taysom Hill is a restricted free agent. He's so not a quarterback. But <laughs> he's beloved there, so it is what it is. Um, that's a spot where I'd like to have him end up. Um, and then other other spots, you know, Vikings. We, we've always been on the Vikings. 
I think the Colts is a good spot for him I've, to go. I've, I've been seeing a lot of Colts fans clamoring Col- for him. Well, but, the, but, the loudest the loudest fans are the Dolphins and the Colts for Jordan Love. There, there's a small minority of Viking, or like I guess uh, there's a you. No, there's actually a lot of people on, on on my Viking Twitter who actually want Jordan Love to the Vikings. Okay, well the the fact I'm starting that, a movement, <laughs> the Love Train, the Love Train in Minnesota. No, but that that's just like what I'm meaning is that. If you look at all the quarterbacks who have kind of failed, you look at Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago, who didn't wasn't able to kind of take the team to the next level. You have a, a whole slew of quarterbacks. You can you Baker, can, Baker, Jameis, Jameis. We're not slandering Marcus Mariota. Marcus, we're but, not. But Marcus we're Mariota, not. no, he wasn't able to. He He's wasn't not able in the to, right system. He wasn't able to stay healthy. He wasn't able. He's to, not in the right system. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they went to the AFC Championship. They did stuff with a. Middle of the line quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. He's a good quarterback. He's middle of the line. He's. I'm talking about Marcus. Marcus. Um, well, I, I we'll see. I'm dying on that Marcus train. Well, you probably really will, because uh, he's going to be a backup in Philadelphia next year. So, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Roughly, I think a lot of people, and it's still a big question mark. We'll see how tomorrow goes. I'm excited to watch it on Saturday. To see what he can do in an actual game with all these talented players around him, and I mean, we all know, like for the Senior Bowl. I mean, listeners at home, you may not. Um, Senior Bowl, the evaluation really happens during the practice. Yeah, exactly. Like, like the game is just, it's just that it's a game. They don't really weigh too much because you only get about ten snaps in the game. Yeah. But I, as Brady said, we're both super excited to watch this. Um, I've been, you know, following the draft for a long time and following the Senior Bowl. Yep. Um, and it's fun to have some horses in the in the game at this point. Yeah, it's been a. I can't remember the last time. Maybe Bobby went to the Senior Bowl when he was coming out. We've had a few. I think Nevin Lawson went to the Senior Bowl. Okay, so you're right. And but it's been a while since we've actually gotten to see this. So um, it's also you brought that up. I want to talk about that. Uh, the poll. Uh, the Deseret News released oh, a yeah, the, um, the all decade team for for Utah State, and yeah. I th- I thought that was really interesting. So and, I. So like so like Brady said, Deseret News came out with the All Decade team for the Utah State Aggies, um, two days ago now I believe. Yeah. And they ranked, and I I was going through it, and I was like, I don't know if I agree with half of these. Um, that first they didn't have Darwin Thompson on the list. So I was I, I, I was gonna get to that point. Yeah, I think I think Darwin was snubbed. Um, and then obviously they picked Chuck Keaton, Chuck Keepin over our boy Jordan Love, which. I agree with. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that Jordan's the most talented quarterback at Utah State's history. Yeah. Um, but I think Chucky was able to do more in 2000. And uh, his, his, he played a little bit longer. Well, not really. He played because Jordan played three and a half years. Chucky technically played like four years, but it didn't it feel was, like it. It wasn't really his pr- uh, prime. Whereas I think the, the, the highs for Chucky. Match Jordan's highs, but the lows for Jordan are a, lo- a little bit lower than what Chucky was. I mean, they're, they're very close. They're very, they're, it's, it's like it's very different lows because Chucky's career was cut short by injuries. Yeah, and Jordan's going to be a first-round quarterback. Yeah, like, but if, if if Chucky was healthy, I there's no doubt in my mind he'd be playing on Sundays. Still, currently, I mean, if you kind of look at just kind of going off, is in 2012, 27 passing touchdowns. Uh, twenty-seven, yeah, twenty-seven passing touchdowns, three thousand three hundred thirty-seven, uh, three hundred and three hundred seventy-three yards, 
and a completion percentage of 67. He had over 8,800 yards total offense. I mean, his legs were his, his, his thing, you know. That was right after the RG3 thing, right, mm-hmm. where RG3 was taking over the NFL. And there was that kind of idea that, you know, Jordan – or Jordan, sorry. Uh, Chucky had his own, like, Heisman thing. He was leading the country in touchdowns total mm-hmm. uh, right before he got injured against BYU. So, like, I think that high was higher than anything Jordan was able to do. Even as great as 2018 was, that 2000 and, – and everyone points to 2012 to, to – and rightfully so. It was great. It was the greatest Utah State season in, in recent memory probably since the 60s. And I mean, it's it's the season that brought the Aggies back, yeah, or put the Aggies on the map. I guess not it, even brought oh yeah. them back it, on like, the map. Yeah, they haven't been on the map since early '60s, since Merlin Olson played in the NFL, and that was a long time ago. And so, but yeah, that that year in particular, I remember when it was my freshman year of college, and Chucky was just so electric. He was on on campus. Everybody loved everybody loved Chucky. Not to say everyone didn't love Jordan, but. The, he was leading the country in touchdowns total. I mean, that game he had against Utah was amazing. We lost, but it was and that was a it was such a better team than the Utah team because everyone always talks about oh the uh, 2012 team beat Utah in in uh, Logan Logan, but that Utah team went five and seven. They were not very good. Whereas the next year they were actually pretty decent. They they went to a bowl game. And that, that Utah State team was better than them. I hundred percent. I, I think so too. I think that that team we also won. I think we went ten and four. Mm-hmm. I think is, that, we, we had so many in, we, injuries that year. Yeah, we, but we still like if, if we had a kicker that year, or the two thousand twelve, we would have went undefeated if we had a kicker. We lost to BYU by two and, and Wisconsin, then Wisconsin by three. Yeah, so yeah, that that that's <laughs> that's unfortunate. But yeah. but uh, but back to that decade list. Um, so it has Robert Turbin and Kerwin Williams as the running backs. I. I understand why Kerwin's here, and I understand why Dar- uh, Darwin isn't. Because yeah. Kerwin played for two years. Uh, he played for a majority of the time. I think he played uh, like roughly two years. I know, but Rob, so I mean, if you're, but like Robert Turbin, he left after like he left in 2011. So I Three guess years, that's, yeah. that's two years in the decade, though. Yeah, I, decade team. Robert, but I think I think Darwin was this more electric player. I think Darwin would have had a better year if Gerald Bright wasn't sharing the reps. Yeah. I think uh, Darwin was kind of handicapped that he was going half and half for majority of the season, and then at the end of the year, we're like, "Well, no, this guy's really good." Then let him play because he almost had, he had a thousand yards rushing, and so did like Gerald, well, over a thousand yards total yards, and then Gerald Bright had like nine hundred as well. So like, I think that uh, Darwin could have probably, if if he was the lone guy, probably gotten to fourteen, fifteen hundred yards that year easily, and. He was he was really good, but if he would have come back this last year, I think that would have been huge, and he would be on this list for sure. I forget how great Hunter Sharp was. Yeah, Hunter Sharp was really good. Like, just looking at this, 137 receptions for 1,774 yards and 16 touchdowns in in uh, in 2014 and 15. Like, that's such a monster uh, year that two years that he had here. He was by far. The best wide receiver we've had, and then right after him, Ron Quavion Tarver, who is equally one of the most dominant wide receivers that we've had here. I mean, looking at his stats: 160 catches, 1,888 yards, and 18 touchdowns in three years. That's insane. It's great. Like considering what the offense was when we had him, he didn't really get the benefit of playing with Jordan till last, half, till, till last year, and then halfway through the year before. 
So it was Kent Myers, and nothing against Kent Myers, but the, the year he's just not a passing quarterback, obviously. But um, so there was that. I thought it was interesting um, with our tight end position. Why Houston being picked over Dax Raymond, which was I thought was interesting. I think I don't know. I I agree with it because I think White Houston was just more like consistent. Dax was Dax was always hurt. Yeah, but like um, White was just more the more consistent player. Mm-hmm. BJ Larson, I was really happy to see him. I loved watching BJ play mm-hmm. uh, defensive end. Kyler Fackrell, another. And this is where all the NFL players are still. It's funny to see how many of these guys are still playing. You know, mm-hmm. um, Kyler Fackrell who's playing in the NFL. You got. Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner, obviously, who's playing in the NFL. Zach Vigil's around the NFL. Nick Vigil is starting for the Bengals. You got David Woodward, who just – which, which is interesting. I didn't think that they would put him in. But, like, his last two years, I mean – Yeah, I mean, he, he was um, – uh, an All-American and and for PFF. An All-Mountain West yeah. first team. Yeah, so yeah, it's, not, it's not a bad choice. Uh, mm-hmm. Jalen Davis, he's – on the Dolphins, I think, or, or did he leave? He might be on the Rams. I don't know. He's somewhere. I, I he's oh. he's somewhere. I know that. But um, last time I checked, he was on the Dolphins. I can't remember if he's still there. And then Nevin Lawson, who is also a journeyman. He's on the uh, Cardinals. Who is? Uh, Jalen Davis. Jalen. Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, Nevin Lawson's been all over the place. He played for a long time with the Lions. I believe he was on the Raiders, and I think he's on somewhere else right now. But yeah, Nevin Lawson's still playing. Frankie Sotera. He's still on the Raiders. He's still I think on the he's Ra- starting on the Raiders. Yeah, he is starting. I just I didn't know if he left or not. Frankie Sotera, uh, great name. Yeah, Frankie. Frankie Sotera. I mean, that's just a. I remember he was one of the more dominant um, safeties. And then it's sad, but Brian Sweet as well. That's what he's going through right now. Uh, our our thoughts go out to his family and his his battle of of his cancer that he's going through right now. But man, what a what a warrior those guys were. Dominic Eberly. If he would play in Sundays. Yeah, he's he's probably gonna get drafted, which is good for him. He played really well in his uh uh I can't remember where he played over the weekend, but he the he, East West Shrine game. He played in the East West Shrine game. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was that one or if it was something else. But he kicked the ball really well. Um had a lot of uh field goals and a few extra points that he nailed. Um Aaron Dalton I got dunked on by him in, in intramural basketball. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this one's just kind of you got to pick a punter. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's, it's hard. And I, I I know Aaron's brother Eric pretty well, and, like, Aaron's a good guy. I mean, and then lastly, you got Savon Scarver, who may end up playing on Sundays. May. We'll see You know, if, if the NFL continues with the kick return. Yeah. But we don't know if that's going to happen still. Uh, he has a chance to tie the NCAA record next year for kick return touchdowns. He's put himself – I believe he's at five in his career. If he gets two more, he'll tie it. Yeah. Um, the all-time kick return touchdown leader. So all all more power to K- uh, Kayvon, Savon. So Kayvon's my boss. But, <laughs> yeah, so – it's uh, it's exciting stuff right now. Um, recruiting wise, we're getting a couple more guys, some some wide receivers from JUCO ranks to kind of come on the team. If you guys aren't uh, following Brian Phillips on Twitter, I suggest doing such. Um, he's got a lot of good in, inside uh, knowledge on what's going on with Utah State recruiting and and all that. So I check, I, I suggest going and checking his Twitter out once. Uh, once you can, if you're not already doing so. But uh, without further ado, 
Braxton. Yes. When's the last time that you thought you had something in the bag that you like? You turn your head maybe for like a few seconds, and all of a sudden, like you know that uh, that gif of of Donald Glover. Maybe like you go out and get pizza, and all of a sudden your apartment's on fire, and you just had no idea what happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you ever had anything happen like that before? Um. Well, my apartment did catch fire once. Okay. But other than that, um, no. No, that was well. That happened to me on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, yeah. That was such an. I was. Yeah, so I remember watching, and we're ta- obviously talking. We've transitioned to basketball from from the field to the hardwood here. But I remember watching that game against Boise State, and when Nimi fouled out with like four thirty left of the game, we were up by eighteen points, and he was just like super happy. Everyone was cheering. Everyone was like relaxed, and so I was like, "That's I, I don't know why, but that just stuck in my brain." And then <laughs> all of a sudden, they just go on this barrage of. Of not missing anything. I, I think I read a tweet. It was we didn't make a basket. No. After the five and a half minute mark. Nope. Of the second, like, like we going into overtime too. I don't think yeah. we scored. Like it was all. It free was all throw. free throws. Yeah. It was just. It was really remarkable to see a collapse like that. Um. So. I think. I think. You know, our tournament hopes probably over unless we win the tournament. The Mountain West. I'll get to that in a second. But okay. Um. Yeah, I was watching it and I just, I. I remember, you know, kind of zoning out with like four minutes left. I was like, "Okay, it's in the bag," and then their freshman um, who wasn't playing. It was in. It was basically garbage time. Yeah, it was garbage time. He scored nineteen point, nineteen straight points in three, in basically three and a half minutes. Yep. And I never seen a collapse like that. The what the broadcast said that it was the the biggest comeback of the decade and the biggest collapse of the decade. I know we're only in a month. But I would I would stretch it further and probably say it's the biggest collapse in the last eight years of college basketball. Well, and so I have the kind of run right here. So Nimi fouled out with three minutes and 30, 33 second, uh, 36 seconds left, and then we were up sixty six to forty eight at that at that moment. And I don't know how like it's literally bonkers to me how that happened. And I was just mesmerized. But yeah, Ray J Dennis. Um, you know, gets two free throws, hits a three, gets his dunk, makes another three, and then they get a layup, and then they uh, then we get a few free throws, and he hits another three, and then once Justin missed uh, missed his first free throw and made the second one, I was like, oh, this is not good, and then they get the dunk, and then Sam gets two uh, uh, gets his two free throws, are up by five again, and then we get up by. Six with 15 seconds left, and then we foul Ray J. Dennis again. I don't on the three point line. He hits all three. Great. Um, Abel gets down, makes two free throws. We're up by five with nine seconds left, <laughs> and then and then Ray J. hits another three. He hit. Let me count that in the in the, in that run. One. Um, oh, I should have done this better. Oh, well. <laughs> two, three. Um, four. He had four threes yeah. in in three minutes. Yeah, and I think, and then we're you know we're we're, we're up five with nine seconds left. He hits that that third three. I was like, hey, just inbound the ball, right? <laughs> we're good. We're fine. We're just inbound the ball, and he can't do it. <laughs> it's like, why can't we in? That happened two or three times. And then where and then, like we couldn't beat their press, Well, we couldn't even inbound the ball. Well, I don't I don't know why we're inbounding it so fast. Yeah. Why Why you got to? Like quickly, and then friggin' uh, their Justinian Jessup is just standing right there, and yeah, it was. 
Turno Diogo played one awful game. He did. It was such a bad game. And, and, and then he he, t- he almost they almost he turned the ball over on the on the last inbound. Yeah. And that, that that they almost they don't know the last one. Then they almost had the half court heave to. Like, oh yeah, to, yeah right. To win the game. I remember that one as well. <laughs> I said, "Why are you doing this?" Yeah, it's like it's literally collapse of all collapse. But like, just kind of go off. He was two for seven, one for six from. Read the room, man. You're one for six from the three point line. There's a reason why you're wide open. You're shooting twenty. I mean, but that, that's a typical Brock Miller stat line. But Diogo's <laughs> shooting twenty percent from the three point line, though. Yeah. There's, a, there's a difference between him and Brock, and Brock is no no angel at three point. We'll get to that in a second. But yeah, he had uh, three personal fouls, five turnovers. Diogo, when you have as many turnovers as you do points, that's an issue. Uh, and and he he only had three defensive rebounds. Like he had more turnovers than rebounds, and it was just a, an abysmal performance. Um, and we shot six of twenty-eight from the three-point line. Abel Porter went over three. Brock Miller went over three. Sam went four for eleven. Like, I I don't understand. Like, and that's and that kind of comes down to it is that our offense is dreadful. It, it makes no sense how they went from such being such a good offense to being so bad. And it's not because of Sam and Nimi. Let me point that out. It's Sam. Sam's having to do so much because Abel Porter, Brock Miller, Alfonso, he's added to the team, but uh, Diogo Brito have all regressed to a mean where they were so good last year at hitting these open shots that made this team so dynamic and made Nimi so much more of a threat down low because he could be one-on-one with these guys and beat them every time. And now they're just double teaming and Brock Miller or Abel Porter or Diogo Brito sitting there in the corner wide open, Nimi passes it back out to them, and they're missing the corner threes. And this might have something to do with the NBA or the three-point line being extended a little bit. But it was like it's not that much of a difference. No, I, I mean, think when you're in a rhythm, you should be able to at least feel it a little bit, and you have had a full season to figure it out. Yeah, it, It's just frustrating. It was really frustrating to watch, and I just – like. I I was sitting there and who I was I was watching it with some people and they're like they're like oh yeah the Aggies are fine they like they'll be fine and I was like like basketball is a game of momentum basketball is a game of runs and we never got the momentum back at all we at the, like Brady said at the four minute mark we had a ninety nine point four percent chance to win according to like ESPN stats that's Boise State had a point six chance to win Brady and they won yeah I just it's an Epic of all epic uh, losses, and like think of it this way: you play that game ninety eight, ninety nine times, basically a hundred times, and we win. <laughs> if you if you're playing a hundred times, point six of those times you're gonna lose. Exactly, it makes no sense. <laughs> I am not betting on the Aggies ever. Like, and what what happens because of this loss? I think, like I like I said, we. We're not going to get an at-large bid. I, it's, it's almost impossible to get an at-large bid at this point. The only way to possibly get that at-large bid is that if we run the table and lose to San Diego State in the Mountain West Conference Championship game. and Because at that point we'll be, I think, like 27 wins and maybe 28 wins and with six losses. Yeah. At that point, with a team with a win, and hopefully San Diego State is thirty and one. You know, their one loss is to us, and 
that kind of puts us back into that like that that the, bubble the conversation yeah we'll we'll probably be like a last four in because 28 wins it's hard to kind of it's hard to argue here's the thing is that we got a lot of we got a lot of ground to catch up i mean we have to hope a that we are the 2 or 3 seed right now we are i believe we are a game back from the 3 seed because nevada colorado state all these teams are still ahead of us and then UNLV if we want to get the 2 seed I don't want to play UNLV in in, <laughs> in, in, in Matt, whatever their freaking arena is called yeah. in Vegas in the tournament. That is always an unfair advantage for them because it's a home game. It's a home game, yeah. and you're gonna have to hope that UNLV falls on hard times. So we're not having to play UNLV in that second round of the Mountain West Conference tournament, and we want to be the higher seed because it's gonna look better on a resume to get that at large bid. It's it's really hard. For what we're we're asking, we kind of ranted on it about two weeks ago, saying you're asking this team to be consistent, and they haven't been from the uh, from conference season on. It is such a 180 from where we were because we were talking after uh, the the preseason, the non-conference season ended, how like wow, look how good we were. Like th- that was such a good non-conference season. Our two losses are two of. Uh, the two of the best, two of the top three uh, seeds in the WCC, a three-bid conference because they're going to get BYU and they're going to get St. Mary's in the tournament. You know, you can be like, all right, they're two tournament teams. That's that's fine. You know, like whatever. Like you, we beat Florida. Florida just beat LSU. They're one of the top teams in the SEC. LSU is also one of the top teams in the SEC. Hey, that's solid. North Texas, not a bad win. Um yeah. And you got you got all these things going for for us. You got a solid bench. You got Alfonso Anderson coming and scoring twelve points a game. You got Diogo Brito averaging ten, maybe nine points a game. You got Justin uh, Bean double double. Ju- Justin Bean double double. You got Brock Miller hitting threes every now and then. And <laughs> you know it's, and then it just completely everything went away. Alfonso du- plays seventeen minutes a game, roughly, averages four points a game. He went from twelve to four in conference play. I don't get how that happens. I don't, I, and I, I kind of brought it up when we started doing conference play. I was like, I don't understand why our conference games are so hard. I chalked it up to you know us getting our, the, those teams' best shots. Yeah. Now I just think we're just not playing well. We're just not. We're just not playing well right now. And I think I mean we've talked about this. This team is better. This team should be better, but they're not. They're not. There's, <laughs> it's, uh, there's, there's no there's no explanation for blowing a twenty point lead. And yes. We know we're recording this on a Wednesday. We did beat Air Force last night by like 25 or whatever. It was a blowout, but it, it, but like it doesn't erase the fact that this season is basically over if we don't win out. And it's just nobody wants to go to the NIT. No one wants to play in the NIT. Nobody, not even the people that win the NIT want to be there. Who wins the NIT? Nobody. <laughs> nobody remembers it. Exactly. And it's usually good for teams who are like, oh, we have a bunch of freshmen. We're gonna bring them all back, but. Literally, this team's going to be revamped next year. We're not gonna, Nimi's not coming back. I, I, as much as everyone loves to talk about, it's like, oh, this means that Nimi's going to come back. There's no chance he comes back next year. I hate, I hate that argument of like, oh, we're losing, so that means a player's going to come back. No, that, that's more incentive for them to leave. Yeah. like This team isn't going to be better. Uh, it's not going to be set up better next year than it is for this no. year. I mean, we, we, you know, we have a, a few seven-footers still on the team. Mm-hmm. We have... Uh, the Virginia point guard is going to be able to play uh, another year of Justin Bean. Like, you got a bunch of freshmen coming in, unproven freshmen that you don't know. This team, this like it, this was our year. Yeah, and we and like football, 
it's squandered. Went went with the wind. Went with a sagebrush, and you know it's. But yeah, Alfonso, and it's obviously come down since the uh, conference season. But he's he averaged nine point four uh, points per game in the season. Conference plays averaging averaging four point three. I mean, but he had that. He had in the. In the Jamaican tournament, yeah, I think he had two. He, he had three twenty-point games. Yeah, he well, yeah, he was the it was two, but he he, he was the the best player on the team. We were talking about it's like wow, there could be three guys on this team that could potentially four guys on this team that could potentially compete for Mountain West Conference Player of the Year. That was conversations that it wasn't wrong for us to think that. No, there were four guys that were really good. Well, three guys that were playing, and then a guy on the bench who was recovering from a knee injury, and. Justin Bean was incredible. Sam was, you know, Sam, and uh, and then Alfonso came out of nowhere. It it's it's just shocking what what's kind of transpired in these la- in these nine games that we've played, and the the minutes. I mean, Alfonso's playing 16 minutes a game, putting up four points a game. You got Diogo Brito playing 26 minutes, and he's putting up five. Uh, he's putting up seven points a game, and. You know, if if Nimi ever gets injured or gets uh, foul, gets in foul trouble, we are in serious trouble, and that's exactly what happened against Boise State. He goes out, and they outscore us by twenty five points in 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 I believe, uh, well three minutes plus five, eight minutes. They, yeah. they, they outscore they, us by twenty five. They, they, I think they scored forty five points. Well, they were at they were at forty four and they, to, yeah. to to sixty. Four or something like that, or uh, sixty-three. Yeah, something like that, and sixty-two. They ended the game with eighty-eight points. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous what happened. Eight, they scored forty-four points in eight minutes, Brady. Yeah, it, it and like they shot really well. Let's not forget that they they shot very well. I mean, that, that we've we've talked about this. That's the Aggies' weakness all year. Yep, they can't. They don't have any perimeter defense. They can't. And they're not able to score. And here's the thing: is Wait, are you talking? Did you say the Aggies are shooting well? Or well, Boise no, State? no. Boise State, oh, yeah. they they obviously shot really well at the end of the game. I mean, I don't think they missed much when they were in that high adrenaline. It's kind of hard for them to do that. Um, but and I, I was just, and I brought it up. Utah State's one of the worst three point shooting teams in the entire country. Okay, they're and let's just transition to this real quick. I, I found a stat that I found really interesting. Now. Shooting thirty percent from the three point line is not a hard feat to do. There are two three hundred and ten teams in the entire country who average thirty percent or higher at from the three point line in every single game that um this year. Now Utah State, they do average more in the entire season. They average roughly, I think it's like a thirty two percent from the three point line. Conference season, it's not that high. It was twenty four point six percent. But since then, it's raised because we shot really well. We shot better against Air Force, and so let me pull that up real quick. But and yeah, so right here it says in conference play we're shooting twenty five point eight percent from the three point line. If that if I do the do that real quick, let me just scroll down. That puts us at three hundred. We we're not the second worst anymore. We're the third worst three point team in the, uh, in the country. I don't get it, Brady. And it. Once Utah State shoots more than thirty percent in any game, not hard. Let me. It is very easy. That is the way the NBA is going. That's the way basketball is going. You shoot threes to win games. I'm gonna be honest. 
I'm not a good basketball player. I'm a, I'm a player, but I'm not a good one. Don't don't you say it. I think I can shoot better than that. Uh, I don't know, Braxton. <laughs> I, not, I mean, it, you, you give me an empty court. Okay. Yeah, I I can make five. I can make five or ten. Uh, sure. Well, for the sake of this argument, go ahead. Okay. I mean, my intramural <laughs> game winner. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, a dollar every time Braxton brings up his intramural game winners. Um, Just wanted to say that. But Utah State is ten and two when they shoot over thirty percent from the three point line. Like I said. Over 300 teams in the entire country shoot over 30%. Should be no reason why you shoot under 30% for multiple occasions. Now, when they shoot under 30%, obviously they're 10 and 2 when they shoot over percent, uh, over 30. When they shoot under, they're 5 and 4. That's where it comes down to. The games that we're not playing well, we're not shooting well. The only game that we played well or played like garbage and shot well is against Air Force. We shot like 35% from the three-point line against Air Force, at Air Force. Like the games that we're trying to win, the games that are really important, or the games that we're getting destroyed in, those are the games where they're shooting under 30% from the three-point line. There are very few games, like I said, Air Force being one of them, and I believe that uh, St. Mary's, we we shot like 31, 32% against St. Mary's. Those are the two, but outside of that, the team is at its best when everyone's hitting threes. Yesterday, we shot 32%. Yesterday wasn't, oh, wow, we fixed everything. We still have a three-point shooting problem. And it comes down to three players. And granted, one of them isn't shooting as much anymore as Alfonso Anderson, which we kind of talked about. I don't understand why he's not, but he's not. But it comes down to three players that, that that are just really struggling. Brock Miller was three for nine yesterday. 33%. Fine. Whatever. Um, Sam was two for eight. Bad. Bad. One for four. But he's having to do that because nobody else can hit shots. Diogo Brito, for what it's worth, three for six. He's shooting better. Not one for six like he was against Boise State. And, you know, Abel Port, like, yesterday. Nimi went one for one for the three point line. <laughs> Nimi is now three for six in his career in threes. Let him Random shoot. Fact. Let him shoot more. Stretch five. Um, but Alfonso, he played sixteen minutes, two points. Where 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 where'd it go? Where is this going? Like I and like I said, we won. But this is Air Force, who is nine and eleven in the year. They we beat sh- us. We should beat them by twenty five points. But they beat us exactly, and we should beat these guys by twenty five points, and we. Didn't do it the first time, and it's why we're in this situation where we're, our backs are so far against the wall that we're, we can't mess up anymore. We're, we're, we're at rock bottom. Yeah. Like, it went, and you like say, Saturday it was, was rock bottom. We were ranked seventh in the Mountain West. Yeah. And I don't want to – and I hate, hate the fact that we are in the position where we are because it makes us look like an embarrassment to – the Mountain West. You know, we were the first unanimous team, and now suddenly we are currently we're ranked sixth in the Mountain West. That's ridiculous, and I trust Craig Smith that he's going to fix this. He's going to adjust something because it's not just a, a, a short thing here. This is a season-long issue, and it's been one of those weird things all year long where, like, Sam just doesn't look comfortable. Yeah. You, you watch Sam, and he's just – 
forcing it. I feel like, or he's, or he's not taking those shots that he that he wants to take. He's just, it's it it's weird. I mean, the the teams are definitely playing hard defense on Sam. Yeah, they're trapping him. Yeah, bringing the doubles, like hedging him. Yep. I, I don't know how you fix that. Well, you do it by your role players hitting shots. Hitting shots. The reason why this isn't working, why the Nimi pick isn't working, is because they're crashing the paint and doubling the screen on the top. So when they look to throw it to Nimi down low, he's already double teamed by Diogo Burrito's guard or uh, Brock Miller's guard because the two of them are wide open in the corner. And when we pass it to them, they're not hitting the corner three that they should be. The corner three is the most efficient shot in the NBA, and it's the most efficient shot in college basketball. (laughs) <laughs> and I don't understand why we're not able to hit that shot because Abel Porter finds himself there, Brock finds him there, and Diogo finds him there consistently, and they're not able to get it, uh, to hit that shot consistently. That's why I brought up the fact Sean Barristow is shooting 45% from the three-point line um, this season. He missed one three yesterday. He, didn't, he, he went 0 for 5 and didn't score any points. But I, I think it's time to switch something up. I think you take him. You take Brock out of the starting lineup. I've been I've been clamoring for that all season. I just don't know who you put there though. Barstow. And I don't think he's. I I don't think he's ready for it. He looks like a, like I, every time I see him out there, he looks like a chicken with his head cut off. But I think it's just time to put somewhere, someone somewhere. And this goes back to my my preseason point where I was wanting so bad for a third score. That's and to kind of compare it to Utah Jazz here. Like Utah Jazz are so dynamic now because they have three scorers at any moment, right? Jordan Clark, yeah. Like on the yeah. You got you got Donovan, you got Rudy, you got Boyan on the on the on the on the offense at most of the game. Right? And then you got Joe Ingles, and it kind of makes Joe go back into that that he's that he's that role player. And this isn't a jazz podcast, but this is my point is you got the two dominant people you have to stop for Utah State. You got uh, Sam Merrill, you got Nemius Keta, okay? Um, and then those two are like, you can rely on them to get roughly 20 points a game, like maybe. If you add a third guy to that, you can't double team all of them, right? You, you get, so okay, well, Sam's double teamed. Let's say um, now we have a, another uh, another point guard. Maybe he's just like, like uh, Malachi for San Diego State right now. He comes in. Suddenly that team is one of the best teams in the country because they have another score. It would have been such a good addition to this team. I'm nothing against Abel Porter. I really do enjoy him. I enjoy what he's brought to this team. But that that point guard spot is so important to being able to hit those shots. And it goes to Brock Miller as well, who just hasn't been able to hit open threes too. But you got to – I don't trust – and Abel's one of the better three-point shooters on the team. He shoots 33%. It's not good still. No. And so, and it just, it's frustrating. And this team is, it's not over yet. Okay. Let's just, let's kind of shift this negativity into some positivity right before, uh, before I drive us off the rails here. But I know you're just, you're just going. I was just letting you talk. <laughs> I look. So, conference season hasn't gone well. That's, that's obvious. We got Colorado State in Logan on Saturday. Colorado State having a good year. Four, they're four and three, thirteen and seven on the season. They they got a great center. They're gonna, um, he's probably gonna play in the NBA. He's he's one of the few players. He's if you if if you look at like rebounds and to points and kind of his stats, it 
compares with some future Hall of I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer, but it compares to some only only future Hall of Famers have done in college basketball. Caravaggio is a good center. Nimi shut him down last year. Nimi shut him down last year. So, but it's in Logan. We play remarkably better in Logan than we do anywhere else. I think we're plus forty four at home. Yeah, <laughs> we're. I believe we're ten and one at home. Yeah, ten and one at home. One and four on the road. Like, okay. So I I think that we'll be fine there. Then we go to Wyoming. We should be fine. Now, February first is at, San Diego State. At San Diego. The season comes down to that. Yeah. If if we want to kind of fix everything, that's the way to go. And we got to beat San Diego State. Yeah. And that's all our season as a to for sure an at large bid. It's completely out the window. But if we want to reach out and grab it and bring it back in, then we got to beat San Diego State at home. And have it be their, their one home. loss. Yeah. At their and have it be their one loss the entire year. We gotta hope that San Diego State runs the table. Runs the table, runs over the Mountain West Conference, ends the season as a number one seed in the in the NCAA tournament. Only then, because we have nothing. I mean, New Mexico is complete trash now that they don't have Carlton Bragg anymore. And you got, and then you got UNLV. UNLV is not supposed to be good this year. Okay, they're beating UNLV in Logan's not going to do anything for us. The only time that we're going to be able to get some marquee wins is if we play. If we got to beat San Diego State once this season, that's that's our that's the ticket to the tournament. You got to beat San Diego State once. It's either it's either at their place or it's in the Mountain West tournament in Vegas. You got to You got to do it and. That's a hard ask. It is, and San Diego State hasn't been challenged in about since they played us. Yeah, and we granted we played them well. We did. I mean, a couple of shots go they, our way, they, and it's it's different. They had if we hit you know more than uh, I think we shot like twenty six percent from the three point line, and if we hit a few of those front ends of of our free throws, maybe it's a con- uh, contest. San Diego State kind of had control the game the entire way, but we were still within fighting distance to a point that gave us confidence that was like, maybe we can bring this close. Yeah. But it's going to be a tough ask, and it's it's rather frustrating, and it's rather uh, it's unfortunate. It's so We were talking, Braxton, <laughs> you had the audacity to say that we were going to go undefeated, and I thought we were going to go 26-3. and I thought we were going to lose at San Diego State and run the table in the Mountain West and lose our two losses of the year were going to be LSU, Florida, and at San Diego State, and the rest of them we were going to win. I was wrong. Everyone was wrong. Nobody saw this. We we thought that this was going to be a top four team in the NCAA tournament. We thought it was going to be a top ten team in the top 25, and yet here, uh, here we are. Here we are. So... I'm just sports have been so hard this year for Utah State fans and for me specifically. But we get it, you're an Eagles fan. Eagles fan and the Jazz started off poorly and it's just not not fun. And when anyway, well <laughs> I I have hope that this team can uh, right the ship. You know, I'm not putting my hope in anything anymore. 
And yeah, it's fair. Like uh, it'd probably be better off if I just kind of. Well, you, you know, I'm a permanent optimist. I always have been. You guys have always said Braxton, you're reaching a little too high. Nah, I'm just don't care. I was like, you know, go play over there. Earn earn Braxton's love back. Please do. <laughs> but yeah, the it was such a fun time, right? When basketball was the thing that we came to because our football team was just letting us down. And now you know everything's letting us down. Man, is this what like? Utah State fans of old felt like <laughs> no because they didn't have hope. Yeah, that's true. Well, they had basketball. My basket gave them hope. I mean, yeah, but anyway, they weren't they weren't expected to be anywhere near what we were though. Yeah. Uh, J.C. Carroll's looking to retire. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, at the end of the year, I mm-hmm. guess we should mention that Sam Merrill crossed into the top four of ninety nine points to pass. Um, Who's in train of thought, Braxton? Uh, who's part of the <laughs> crap? He needs ninety-nine points to move up into third in the third spot. Yep. Um, but yeah, he crossed nineteen thousand points. Yeah. Uh, great mark for him. One of the greatest at in at Utah State. It's great to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, it'll be it'll be so interesting to see what happens in the next few weeks. I I have a hard time thinking they can we can consistently uh pass or do what we need to do to uh I'm losing my train of thought. Sorry, I was looking at what uh he needs ninety nine points to pass Wayne Estes. Wayne Estes. Like the, couldn't, couldn't remember who Wayne Estes is. <laughs> couldn't remember I the thought name. I thought you couldn't remember who uh Greg Grant was. I was like like Wayne Estes is literally like the most popular Utah State basketball player. Okay, Jason Carroll, no. I would say Wayne Estes is more popular. We're not, we're not debating that right now. Anyway, um, it's close. Your train of thought is that the Aggies have a lot to do in the next two weeks. Yeah, they just we'll yeah, see where they go. See where they go. Be a little bit more consistent. Get get two wins. Get three wins in a row. Head to San Diego State. Then let's play ball. Let's play ball. Anyway, uh, we're signing off. Um, next week, Tim will probably be joining us. We have no idea. Tim's 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 busy man now. Tim's busy man. He's got a girlfriend. He's got a job. We have jobs too. Yeah, I have both those things as well. But um, I'm here. Um, anyway, <laughs> this has been the number one Aggie podcast. Wow. The Sagebrush Show. Wow. An Aggie podcast. We love all the Aggie podcasts, by the way. Not going to throw shade at anybody else. Braxton. <laughs> my name is Braxton Moon. You can follow me on my socials at Haby Moon. I have my buddy, Braden Todd Clark, over here. You can follow him at Mr. Clarkster or Braden. Un- what is it? Braden underscore Clark. Braden T. Clark. Braden T. Clark. This has been the Sagebrush Show and Aggie Podcast. We will see you next week. You've worked so hard for all the things you have. The salary, the status, the success. And with that image, there's a drink. One to unwind, one to loosen up, one to take the edge off. But how do you know when a drink is more than just a drink? We get it. We can help. Karen's Grandview program has been helping accomplished people just like you regain their lives. Talk to us. Visit karen.org slash grandview. Big Mac, Chicken McNuggets. No, Big Mac and Quarter Pounder with cheese. Or filet fish You'd be doing the same thing if you were at McDonald's because you can choose not just one, but two of your favorites for just six bucks. Tasty Big Mac, crispy 10-piece Chicken McNuggets, juicy Quarter Pounder with cheese, or savory filet fish Enjoy two of your all-time favorites for just six bucks, if you can decide on the two. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price.